0: Hey, everyone. I'm Andy Trattner.
1: And I'm James Bollinger.
0: This is Yup and Coming, an open-ended conversation with interesting young professionals about their lives and careers. We're so excited to have you along for the ride with us as we learn from our
1: guests about the chances they've taken, the tough decisions they've made, and the great careers they're building.
0: Jeffrey is the founding Product Operations Manager of SCALE's NLP, so Natural Language Products, SCALE Text and SCALE Document, as they're now called. He's currently exploring his interests and doing entrepreneurial projects to figure out what's next for himself after graduating college early and leaving SCALE AI, um, having done some great work there. Jeffrey's always introspective and thoughtful. And a couple highlights of this conversation for me were hearing how he's going about his process of exploring what being mission driven means to him and being able to launch a quick prototype and speak with real estate agents to understand more about how housing works. And as a field, um, just quickly downloading there is really interesting. And also, um, some of the challenges he's had about being self-reflective and kind of veering away from traditional, maybe status-based income-providing jobs uh, that have very long timescales to level up. Um, and even saying no to being offered a promotion to becoming a manager within Scale, this amazing, fast-growing startup that he could have stayed at. But instead, he chose to go uh, pursue something that Uh, he decided was more meaningful and a better fit for him. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeffrey. How has your professional identity evolved? So starting maybe as a kid, like what did you want to be when you grew up? And then how did that change over time to kind of land you where you are
1: today? Mm, Great, great uh, starting question. So I'll I'll preface by saying in the last couple months, or in almost more weeks than months, I've been meeting a bunch of really inspiring, like teenagers, 17, 18, 19 year olds who seem to have it all figured out. Um, And it makes me feel really unimpressive uh, looking back on it. But I think, um, so for some context, I am Chinese American. My parents immigrated here for graduate school. They went to University of Nebraska, didn't really know anyone else there in the middle of the cornfields. Then um, they moved to Seattle area in the mid '90s to take a job at Microsoft, and they've been there since. So growing up, I was in the greater Seattle area. Pretty much the only people I knew um, were other people with similar backgrounds as me. Their parents had immigrated from you know China for grad school to go to Microsoft. So there's definitely this bubble. Um, so growing up, the the one truth in that I was exposed to is you got to be a software engineer at Microsoft work there for like 15 years and then you'll be promoted to maybe a manager one day and, you, and then you're retired at like year 30. So that didn't seem super compelling and because of that I didn't really think too much about professional actually. Um, I spent most of my I'd say grade school years and high school years focused on my extracurriculars doing well in school and not really thinking too much about what I want to do in the real world come high school, it was kind of the first time I decided to get some real world experience doing something that wasn't either lifeguarding or tutoring other people in like, you know, straight academic um, topics. So I, at the time, was taking a biology class, thought it was super interesting, and also was very turned off the of software because my dad had given me this large intro to C-sharp textbook and tried to teach me. And I was like, nope, I'm never doing coding in my life. So I ended up... um finessing my way into this like unpaid lab tech internship at a cancer research center in Seattle for two summers. I would like bust there and just like pipette stuff for them. And it was just like free um, bitch work, but I thought it was pretty cool. It was like the first time something I was doing was, you know, actualizing like theoretically actualizing change for something. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very nuanced. I was just doing this thing that felt very industry and when it came time to apply to college i applied to my colleges with a very like generalist perspective i was just like oh you know i don't really know what i want to do i just want to go to somewhere where allows me to optimize for figuring that out so i looked at schools so i didn't consider not going to college like i had nothing figured out at that point so like college was a must for me and i was looking at colleges i was like i can't go anywhere where i need to like pick my major when i apply because like that's gonna that's gonna wreck me i don't know what i'm doing um and I asked my lab PI for a letter of recommendation, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, like, I can wreck you, but by the way, I don't suggest you do bio for your like major, because uh, like life as a bio uh, professional sucks. Like either you're going to be a postdoc and make no money but do research, or you can be like me and make a lot of money but to write grants all day. It was like this, the industry is not good. Don't do it." And I was like, "Okay, so that's where I was when I got to college." Um, so that was like a
0: don't do academia. Uh, recommendation it wasn't reflection of your bio skills
1: yeah it was pretty much just like don't do academia so I got to college with no context of what I wanted to be Um, I was like burned from CS I was like you know I can't do that because my dad like really turned me off to it and I was like all right time to like do some generalist stuff so got to MIT Um, very fortunate to have the opportunity I think it was a good place for me because you know you get exposed to all the sciences and you can freely move between majors and there I kind of just started Networking with a lot of people during the orientation days, during the rush days, just asking people like, "What do you like? What do you study? And what are you trying to be?" And it became very obvious to me um, during that experience, plus the you know subsequent fall career fair that CS was the thing to do at MIT, and if you didn't do that, you must have had like some kind of conviction. So me lacking all conviction, I was like, "All right, well, I guess I have no choice but to start with CS and see where it goes." So that was my methodology. Um, The only thing I did, I think I had that was slightly different from my peers was I decided that Since my reasoning wasn't super strong for doing CS and I was just picking the option that left the door uh, left most of the doors open Then I had to move as quick as I could through it and pick up as much signal as possible It was very clear that most people and like the way the school was designed was finish your major in four years and you're done and I thought that if I finish in four years and at the four-year mark I discover that CS isn't for me, then I've kind of like done myself a disservice. So I started basically dedicating all my time to just like flying through the coursework and trying to learn as like much as possible um, and also get like internships as quickly as possible. So most of my freshman year was dedicated to studying like cracking the coding interview and um, lying to people and recruiters that I was already an upperclassman trying to get like internships. I got lucky, landed something at a Snapchat did a software internship and decided, okay, software is like fine, but I probably won't be a software engineer. And I think at that point, my, so this about like the start of my sophomore year of college, or the first time I started to have real thoughts about like, what could I see myself doing? So there's kind of this inertia. I was like, all right, well, I have some of these skills. I've done the software. Within these, what are things that are interesting? And on one side, there are a lot of people talking about, you know, trading and quant research and um, I wasn't too sure about the mission of it, but it did seem like you got to do like interesting technical problems all day. So I started like, looking down that route just for like intellectual stimulus. On um, the other side, I got really into computer vision at the time. I think all my friends were shills and they were like, ah, oh, you know, computer vision is like the greatest thing since sliced bread, you got to do it. So I took a bunch of courses, started doing some like random stuff, and then ultimately found myself back at Snapchat doing computer vision stuff. So at that point in my mind, I was like, okay, well, does this mean I have to get a PhD, become like a researcher? And then after one summer, I was like, there's no way. Like, I can't do research. The pace is too slow. The reward cycle is too slow. I can't grind for eight months to maybe have a paper published. This doesn't feel correct. But luckily at Snapchat, I had the opportunity to like launch a prototype of this like dorky little feature. And that felt really good. And I realized like, okay, what I care about is definitely like shipping product. And um, I think what I care about is I want the nature of my work to feel like I'm sitting between product and engineering. And what that meant was when I was doing pure software, I felt like, hey, you know, someone gives me a spec, I'm implementing it, cool, that's an interesting problem to solve, but I don't think I'm the best at it. I don't think it's my strength and also it's not like stimulating enough. I wanna know like why that spec was written. But at the same time, from talking to PMs, I thought it was too abstract. Like a PM at a large org was, you know, do a bunch of market research to figure out what the spec should be and then you're done. And for me, that felt too far removed from okay. Well, just because you can propose like you know a cure to cancer or like a new solution doesn't mean that the engineers can actually build it, right? So I really like that intersection of thinking about what to build and how to build it, and the synergies there. And so, started my junior year, I still had no idea what my mission was. I still had no idea what I wanted to be professionally, but all I knew was that like oh, I kind of like sitting at the intersection of product and uh, engineering. So at this point, I'm looking at like big tech companies. I'm like, okay, I see software engineering roles. I see research roles and I see product roles and none of these are like fitting the bill. So I felt very lost, very jaded, um, wasn't applying to any internships, um, was pretty much just trying to talk with a lot of people and figure out like, hey, this is an itch I have to scratch. Like, what are my options out there? And after, you know, talking around for a bit, it suddenly became pretty clear. If I wanna do this in the tech world, my answer was I had to go to startups. Um, because by, by necessity, people wear a lot of hats, and I would have to do that um, all the time. And if I tried to do that at a big company, it would have to be like a manufactured role. And I was like, okay, well, i got to start looking at startups. At that point, you know, I had no entrepreneurship experience. I had no, like, desire to, like, start my own startup. Um, I was definitely looking just to figure out what kind of work I'm interested in. And so from talking to a bunch, one thing led to another, ended up at scale where um, I was talked into and convinced into joining because that there was like a great fit at the time with what I wanted to do and the kind of like nature of work that scale had. So that kind of summarizes the very like, loose, undefined, poor like, decision criteria I had up until maybe like the end of my junior year for what I was going to do professionally. And then I think everything kind of started to come together really quickly um, after I showed up at scale. And I guess, what what do you mean things came together quickly when you shut up at scale? For sure. Yeah, we can move on to, I guess, chapter two. Um, <laughs> so what happened there was I get to scale and I had just decided on a whim to leave college early. There were a lot of people, you know, similar age to me, young, the CEO was young, but generally I still felt like I was not deserving a lot of responsibility at this stage. Like I didn't have a lot of work experience. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just like wanted to sit at this intersection of product engineering. And lo and behold, um, the cards aligned and I was given this opportunity to um, do a lot of the early work for like this new, I guess, initiative at scale, which was like sending scales, data labeling efforts into like different industries that were outside of self-driving cars. Um, Not a space, you know, I thought I would work in and not a space that I woke up in the morning, like really excited to work on. But I think it was the right opportunity for me at the time because I got to, you know, talk to a lot of customers, um, really got um, immersed into this culture of like jumping out of the plane and then building the parachute on the way down. And that I think accelerated like more learning than I could have imagined. in like the first like six to eight months of that experience, was a lot of promising customers things, trying to like, you know, scrap something together, failing, learning, and I enjoyed it the whole time. I was working like long hours but for me it was just like I had no other I had no opportunity costs all my call friends were in college like I had no social life out in the bay I was just strictly focused on just like drinking from this fire hose and learning how to build those skills and you know get to soak up that like sitting at the intersection of product engineering and it was a weird time because I didn't cleanly fit into any buckets like scale as a company also had engineers and also had like full pms and and it was kind of this duality where I didn't really feel like I belonged to either group. When I was in either meeting, I felt like, you know, the outsider, but like what kept me going was, I was just like, this is what I wanted. And I'm like really getting it right now. And I have no idea like how else I can like manifest this experience in the real world. So let me just like soak it up it's here. Um, so that was pretty good. Then I think we got to a point where our product and team was getting to a point where we were actually becoming competent and we were like winning some deals and things were going well. And that was kind of an inflection point for me because it was like, okay, I've just been sitting in the trenches, losing all these war like battles over and over and over. Now we're starting to win some. The, now it's about scaling, right? You've done the zero to one work or like zero to 0.5 work. How do you get from like the, you know, the one to 10? How do you make this reproducible? How do you get, um, how do you, how do we take on more customers? How do we make sure we're consistently, you know, fulfilling customer asks, how do you make this like a real like services or product? Um, and That naturally meant scaling up the team and building something that felt more traditional, you know, with PMs, with software engineers, with like different um, split roles and trying to reduce the number of like hats that each person wears, which I think is net beneficial for the team. But as someone, again, who was trying to sit at this intersection, it didn't make a ton of sense for me. I was thinking, okay, well, what are, how can I grow the team? It was very clear how the PM would grow. It was very clear how the software engineers would grow. Like, what was I going to do? And so we explored a bunch of things. We we're like, okay, hey, well, I can first start by like identifying everything that I'm not good at, that also like doesn't fall in this area. I, like, want to do and those are very clear things for me to like, outsource. Um, so in those instances, it made a ton of sense to bring on help, and um, I was very glad that you know people joined the team, including yourself. You're like very good at the customer side of things, something I didn't think I was as good at, and honestly wanted to spend more time on other stuff and just kind of learn from you and let you take the wheel. So that was, I would think that was net healthy, but within the scope of what I wanted to do, ultimately, I didn't think we found like a really good way to scale that. Um, Besides, okay, you can try like basically onboarding a couple other people to do your same role, but you'll just have to like do this, you know, as a manager of that role. And that was okay, but I think at that point I realized I've been working long hours for a long time and the learning was starting to subside. I was asked to kind of become, I guess, a lead or a manager of people who were doing my current role as a way to scale myself up. And while that made sense, again, from the team's perspective, and like technically I did get to continue sitting at the intersection, I was way too early in my career, only one year out of college where I had left early to be going into a role where I was managing more than learning. And so that I think there was like a misalignment incentives there. Like I wanted to keep learning. I wanted to keep like broadening my hard skills. Um, and don't get me wrong. I like really enjoyed management. I was like lucky enough to be able to be given headcount to like hire a small team and um, you know, practice people managing. And um, I really appreciate all the you know hard work they put in on the same initiatives uh, alongside me. But at that time I was definitely not interested in just growing up with the org. So started thinking a lot about, like, what do I care about? Why am I working so hard? Why am I upset? And what are, like, my top three reasons for doing what I'm doing? And I realized a lot of it came down to just, like, was like, inertia. I think I've been doing this so hard for so long. I, it's just very natural to keep going at scale. But when I really root-caused it, my, like, top three reasons were, like, outsized, I was given outsized responsibility and learning opportunity. Um, I really liked the people I was working with and there's definitely some kind of like external validation i'm just working at a place that you know clearly the industry was very like like high on right and i realized none of these top three reasons had anything to do with like the mission of the company like every stand-up we would like hear about accelerating applications and i didn't really you know pluck any heartstrings within me the only thing i did was kind of remind myself like this is the pitch we're going to give to people when we close interview candidates and that was also at this point of, like, I guess, um, confusion internally where I would think to myself, like, I don't know if I'm enjoying what I'm doing, then turn around. And then at the end of an interview, someone a candidate Canada would ask me, like, why scale? And I could go on this, like, 10-minute, very convincing pitch about, like, how scale is going to change the world. And they'd be like, wow, that's so amazing. But I like, didn't really feel it. So ultimately, in this, like, state of confusion, I decided that I'm going to test whether or not I am someone who operates well and is fulfilled by working on mission driven work. So that was kind of the bet I made when I left scale um now like seven months ago and decided, hey, I'm just gonna optimize for projects that I really enjoy the space. And that's it. Like nothing, no care about like the total addressable market, nothing else, just hey, like this is a space I care about. And just see if spending time on that was energizing or I'd similarly get burnt out. And through that period of self-discovery, I realized I do really enjoy that. And so now at my professional stage, basically what I've come to terms with is I'm someone who is motivated by my work. So you know, I want like people talk about work-life balance, it's people talk about like prioritizing hobbies and family and friends, and that's all okay. But for me, I think I do derive a lot of like personal fulfillment from work. So I want to prioritize and like optimize for my like my work situation. Um. Two, within work, I think I'm very, because I like to pour myself into it, I get very picky about like, the mission that I'm working on. And I think ultimately, like, I realized mission and people are most important to me, not, you know, growth rate or total addressable market or like external cloud or anything. And those are the things that allow me to burden like the midnight oil, the longest and like keep focused. Um, and so with that in mind, I have kind of tried to understand, okay, what are the spaces I care about? right? Like what are the spaces I actually want to work in and in what capacity do I want to work in them? It's not it's not obvious to me that I necessarily want to be a startup founder or even like an early employee or a late employee or, you know, outside operating, maybe even investing, or maybe there's a world I just become like a thought leader. And that's like what the problem I want to work on needs right now. Um, so it's a lot of, I, cur- I think currently my professional career, it is a lot of that kind of introspection and that purposeful thinking about, given that I've identified a mission driven, what is like a mission I care about? What is like the market admission right now? And what are the things that I can do to be like most useful to that problem that I'm still like happy to do? And so basically, long story short, I don't have an answer for you yet about where my professional journey is headed exactly, but I think I have um, a much better framework that me a couple years ago was lacking. And hence, looping all the way back to the start of this conversation, I've been talking to like 17, 18, 19 year olds recently, just by coincidence. Um, who are working in spaces I think I'm interested in, and these people seem to have done all this thinking already, and I'm just very impressed. Like this new generation, very. I don't know what's 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 causing them to be so advanced beyond their years. I, when I was their age, I was just you know playing sports after school and taking my SATs, but yeah,
0: yeah. I want to ask a ton of follow up questions uh, to dig into that, like Mindspace. Uh, also, these kids. It'll be interesting to speculate. Maybe it's because they have like Khan Academy and like codeacademy.org. So their C-sharp textbook was easier to chew through. And also maybe there's like the conviction of youth where they're ignorant and like don't have the self-doubt. But um, can I ask, can rewind a sec before we get there? Um, these two transition points that you had, leaving college early and then leaving scale where people are like begging you to like contribute more in your like, Uh, role by by growing your own team um yeah there's these narratives right of like most people i think coming out of college a year in and having their company ask them like hey can you hire more people can you manage a team i think most people would be thrilled you you kind of mentioned some of the, the reasoning but were there any other like major challenges or um kind of sticking points or turning uh critical experiences um that helped you kind of fight maybe what would be like countervailing narratives to to stay at college for the full four years or uh, to
1: continue at scale um even for a little longer um yeah for sure so when it came to college i think i was at a point where so i mentioned i was trying to like fly through the degree i'd like kind of finish up the, all the requirements for the degree and there's just like one class i was really looking forward to taking It was called a 6172 performance engineering and the topic matter, I, I was lukewarm on, but like the format of the class was supposed to be really exciting. It was like, you pair up in groups and you just like are given a piece of code that works already functionally and everyone races to make it faster. And there's like no right solution. You just like rank on a stack rank. And for me, I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, that feels like the real world. This doesn't feel like there's a like, right answer. And everyone was hyping it up. So I was like, let me try that. I did it. It was really like, you know, intellectual stimulating. And I came out of it. And I didn't come out of it thinking like, oh, I really want to be, you know, a performance engineer now, go write like C++ optimized code all the day, all the time. So I was asking myself, like, okay, like, why did I take that? Like, yeah, it was fun, but like, so what? And like, what next? And so I ended up spending all of my junior year, like, loading up on HASSes. So like just a bunch of humanities classes. I was taking like four humanities a semester because I neglected them up until that point um, in order to cram in my CS degree. And I was thinking like, what else should I do here? So my thoughts were, okay, I could leave. But, you know, those quickly got shot down by both me and all my friends. We're just like, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would I leave? There's nothing else to, like, do out there in um, the real world yet. And so I was like, okay, I could, you know, do, like, a master's in, like, fourth year, right? Just get it over with, get a master's. But that wasn't clearly obvious to me about, like, why I would get a master's. Um, I was, It sounded like I could just... The main requirement of the master's was a thesis. Otherwise, like I could just take the classes that I was going to take anyways. And I'm actually stimulated by them without like requirements. So it was also the the option that was most appealing to me was maybe I stay for a fourth year and just take a bunch of classes that are not in the CS department, right? Let me take 2009. There's like a capstone, like Mechie course, just because it seems super unique and not like Mechies around the world don't get to take that if they're not MIT. So like, yeah, like, let me try that. That'd be cool. I was pretty set on just like having this like poopery miscellaneous like senior year where i was just going to take random class in other majors and just see how it went um and so naturally when it came time to leave school i was in the situation where i didn't i wasn't like not super focused with like where my education was going felt very helpless and wasn't really applying to any like jobs because i wasn't sure how i could like actualize this kind of you know job i wanted and scale comes along saying like, hey, you know, we're on this rocket ship trajectory. We have this like role open that's similar to that, but the window is like now or never. Like you have to join at the start of the summer. You can't, you can't even wait to the end of the summer, let alone a whole year, right? Like we going to raise evaluations, company's gonna grow, needs are gonna change, like there's this window now. So when I wait, all those things, became like very obvious to me, it's like, oh, I have to leave. And, um, you know, much to the chagrin of all my close friends around me who were at the time on spring break, Uh, rolling back a little bit I took I did my scale on sites during spring break where I stayed in Boston so all my friends were you know overseas having a lot of fun They would they didn't know um, it was like I guess their last spring break before COVID changed the world but they all came back and found out like oh wait (laughs) you're not gonna be here next year and yeah so I think those were all like the counterfactual arguments for why I shouldn't leave and ultimately given where my headspace was at and given my incentives and my like alternate options it just felt like most direct progress was going to be made by like leaving um, for this opportunity that Scale gave me, so that's why I did that. And then when I left Scale, it was also a pretty you know tough decision to make. I spent a long time. I took. saw so I took some PTO just to reflect. Um, I spent a long time trying to figure out, okay, why am I actually unhappy? And maybe as a way to like figure that out, let me start exploring what are all the options Scale could give me, right? Instead of trying to ideate what what is the ideal option. Um, for me at scale, I started asking like what could scale give me like so it's not like building the product It's like asking the market you know what product do you need and there were a couple options and between them They all sounded good. I didn't really have a great decision criteria between them So I knew I was very lost. So I was just like, all right, give me all the information um, So they, I was offered a position as like an engineer. I was offered a position this rotational program they could spin up where I would just like rotate between teams I was also offered this like more go-to-market engineering facing role on a new team Um, All sorts of stuff that were all like, like really, you know, helpful attempts by various people in the organization to try to provide something that would like tick my boxes when I didn't even know what boxes were. So you were asking people to to get these, to get these offers from people.
0: I mean, knowing you, I know that when, (laughs) if you raise any flag, everyone's gonna be like, oh no, what can we do to keep Jeffrey? But how did you actually go about that? You just initiated conversation with like your manager and other team leads?
1: right i think i it was a gradual process i mean i would have check-ins with people for six months maybe like you're working really hard is everything okay and i was like yep i'm enjoying it the second six months they'd be like is everything okay i'm like mm, it's fine there are things i'm happy with and not happy with and i would have one-on-ones with my managers and team about um things i you know didn't enjoy and things i did enjoy and it kind of like ended there i try to go in with like a looking for a solution, but I think everyone was busy and no one was really trying to brainstorm solutions or act on them. And then so around, around my one year mark, I kind of made it very clear. I was like, hey, I think I'm not growing a lot anymore. I like, totally can understand like the counter thesis of like, oh, there is ways to grow here, but I just like don't feel great. So I'm going to take some time, do some introspection and then come back. I want to like open a dialogue about it. Let me know if you're like even open to that, right? Like you're not open to it. then clearly my options are to like leave or stay in my current role. If you are open to it, That almost makes things more complicated, right? Now we have to explore and like do this whole search. And then my manager at the time, you know, luckily was like, okay, yes. Like I'm willing to like engage in that dialogue. So came back and I was just told them, Hey, from my introspection and it wasn't very useful. I was definitely this really annoying kid. I was just like, I don't know why I'm unhappy, but like, let me just like word vomit to you for 30 minutes about like why I'm unhappy. And from that, maybe you can tell me what you think would solve that. So I did that. And (laughs) in hindsight, unsurprisingly, they didn't come up with like, you know, step size changes. They were like, okay, you can keep doing your same thing. You can become a PM on the operations org. You can become a software engineer in various different teams. You can become this rotational program thing. They're just kind of spitballing ideas. And every single one of them felt like compelling for their own reasons, but not compelling. So again, I had like no good decision criteria. But yeah, ultimately, I think it was, to answer your question, it was like a narrative. I... Made them very aware, like how I was thinking, and then asked if it's if this even aligns with their incentives to consider this, because if it doesn't, totally makes sense, right? Like I'm not the main character here; I can just like move on. If um, you know, I'm optimizing for like my utility function, if there is room to explore. Then it does make sense rationally to like explore this, because I've built up social capital and you know experience and context within the scale org. I didn't want to just like give that up uh, without you know weighing it. So, yeah, ultimately was laid out a bunch of options. And now I had to go back to the table and figure out like, all right, like, what do I actually like, care about between these options? And I think that was probably like the most stressful time. Um, like a side parallel thread on this was I had an opportunity with some of my friends to go work on the startup called Gather, which is doing pretty well right now. That's uh, like, um, they're currently pivoted as, or like positioned as a like remote work office tool, but they see themselves as, online metaverse gathering space um, in the virtual world and so it was um, two of my friends in college and two of their friends and we were gonna be this five person co-founding team and this felt really exciting right I was like okay I'm not enjoying what's happening at scale I have no signal on working at gather but anything's better right like why not go over here so it was just as as scales like a couple option options uh, were materializing for me I had to start wearing that against Gather. And there were days where I'd be like I'm I'm joining Gather, like it's over. And other days where I'd be like, mm, well, I don't know. Like maybe that doesn't make any sense. Like maybe these roles are actually better for me. And I kind of flip flopped for a long time. I, there were within this like one, like two week, two day stretch at the end. I think I told both parties that I was like <laughs> picking them instead of the other. It was like all this mess. And ultimately what helped the most was um, Gather's now CEO, who is one of my like closest friends from like middle school um, through, you know, high school and college. He came over to my apartment at like 7 p.m. one night. I had received like my final everything from scale. Everything was negotiated. I just like had my optionality. Um, he came over with this mindset of, I'm not going to try to recruit you together. I just want to figure out what your decision criteria is because it sounds like it's it's like fucked. Like it sounds like you're making all the wrong decisions and I like hate the way you're making your decisions right now. So let's figure this out. Um, so he just asked me, basically for like 12 hours, he just had this discourse. He was like, like, why do you think, Like, what are the pros and cons for each one? And for each one of them, he would kind of just like, it was almost like an interrogation. He'd be like, well, why is that true? Like, why is this actually a pro? Why is that a con? Why do you care about that? And ultimately, he was trying to help me realize, like, what is the actual thing that I, like, care about, you know, understanding about myself or, like, spending my time on? And from that, that that was the, I think, the inflection point that made me realize, okay, what I want the most of anything right now is to figure out if I'm interested in mission-driven work. Because if I joined scale in this new role and let's say it like actually take my boxes and I was pretty happy and I stayed at scale for the long term. scale succeeds, you know, that chapter closes, I would, you know, have some connections, have more skills, have like a nice financial, like exit. But in my mind, I would think to myself, okay, I still have no idea if I'm interested in, in mission driven work. And now it's the time to like start that discovery and like figure out like how to do my own thing or like, you know, satisfied, like my, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the self-actualization level, how do I like actually take that box? And if I knew that was like the best case outcome where I'd be like, okay, now I have to begin, well, why don't I just begin now, right? And so that was the reason for leaving scale. But the bad thing for Gather was if that was my like, framework for decision-making, if I applied it to Gather, the same thing applied again. It was, okay, I, would want, I want to do this with you guys because people need it right now. It'd be very helpful to people. It'd be really fun to work with, like, you know, my friends. Um, But ultimately, I would, again, leave that experience thinking, okay, now it's time to, like, self-actualize, like, figure out what I really want to do. So the VR gathering space wasn't, uh, wasn't resonating. It wasn't my problem. It was an interesting problem that would help a lot of people, but it wasn't, like, my problem. So... Yeah, Gather's CEO had come over and convinced me not to join either Scale or Gather. But he did it from like a root cause perspective. He was just like, here's like the fu- the framework and he helped me like figure it out. And that next day I woke up and I like very, very confidently kind of quit Scale, told them I'm out in two days. Thank you for everything. Um, they were surprised, but I don't blame them. I think up until that point, I was just like this bumbling mess for four weeks. This is inflection point where I figured it out. I also turned around to Gather like I can't take this offer. Um, and yeah, that's how that went. I ended up leaving scale and then spending about a, a month of my time working full stack for gather anyways, just as like, they needed it. I had a lot of context, I had free time. It was going to help them get to a point before they, the, their product was better before they could hire more people. And since then I've kind of like backed off and I'm in much more of an advisory position. And now that they've raised a good amount of money and have a lot of good partners, I don't even do much advising anymore. So just casually informed and a good friend.
0: That's an amazing, uh, Tumultuous process, I'm glad it kind of worked out on a time frame that sounded kind of reasonable for you in retrospect, hopefully. Um, are you are you happy with, with how that played out? And then maybe I'd love to dig into more about, um, yeah, what you've been up to since and like the kind of mission spaces that you're pondering.
1: Right, for sure. I'm um, happy with how it turned out. I think with any like self-discovery period it's easy to look back on it and see massive inefficiency and like tell yourself you did it again. It could be like way faster. At the same time, I feel like developing that, you know, annoyance and scar tissue of taking so long is also a feature, right? And like the toy example of this um, that I shared with someone recently was if I spent a lot of time working on something I don't like and that makes me realize I want to be mission-driven, if someone had flashed back, you know, back in time two years and told then me, hey, you care about mission-driven stuff, I wouldn't have known why, right? I could have, I would have taken it at face value Then been okay, and like, let me do mission-driven stuff. And I would have, you know, converged to mission-driven things faster. But I don't think I would have had like as strong of a, you know, scar tissue-esque like, um, conviction for why that's true. And ultimately, I think that's also, you can um, extend that analogy forward. I think if I took more time for introspection, right? Let's say I, t- I extended my horizon for like many more years to do this, I think I would also... Um, be in a better place with more scar tissue. I don't know about the returns, right? And there's probably diminishing returns, depending on what I'm doing, but still I think the scar tissue is important um, to keep you focused, especially because I think humans are creatures of like inertia and they're very stuck on like their previous contexts. Um, if you do one thing, it's very hard to like stop thinking about that thing, right? Even if you like turn off your laptop or whatever. And that's especially true for me. So yeah, the scar tissue is helpful to keep myself focused it's also relatively fast.
0: I mean, you're, you're pretty young and like, you had a, a good um, direction to kind of explore what you wanted out of college, which was that intersection of product and engineering, and building skills within like a growing org, and throwing yourself into projects sounds like it was quite, quite useful, even if maybe the last six months weren't as high leverage, it's still probably relative to the average MIT grad even or average
1: human in a workplace first year out of college kind of quite accelerated. I think the best thing for me in this period was luckily I had a network and resources who are willing to like unabashed, uh, a in a bash way tell me like, hey, like your decision criteria right now sucks. Like, You need to just like hard stop and like rethink why you're doing what you're doing. And I don't think a lot of people get that, right? It's rare, I think, to have someone in your network who cares about you enough, who like is able to see things from that level and also is willing to like invest the time into like helping you like figure that out and i've been fortunate to have like a handful of people like do some of those things for me at different periods of time yourself included um and yeah i think without those i would definitely be like my time horizon for figuring out figuring this out would have been like you know five ten times as long if not ever right i I might have never figured it out um so yeah i think i I was fortunate is definitely not all internal, a lot of it was external and timing. And uh, looking back on it, I like owe thanks to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I'm honored to be even remotely included in in your list of (laughs) such people. But um, yeah, what have you been up to now? Like what are some examples of like mission things that you've tried and kind of,
1: do you have broad spaces you've scoped out? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So again, much to the chagrin of many people, when I left scale, the only thing that I had in my mind was you know, I'm somewhat related in f- to, uh, somewhat interested in food and somewhat interested in like housing, and that's all I had going for me. And I think we had talked about that uh, at that point in time. I was just like, These are two threads I have, and um, I'm just gonna you know, explore them and figure out you know, what do I actually care about within them. And a lot of people were like, That, that makes no sense, like that is such hand wavy conviction, right? Like, you quit for that, but then you know. I hope I explained my framework enough to make it clear why I was looking for something. So I had to start somewhere. So within housing, um, explored a bunch of stuff, tried to understand the real estate industry. Long story short, it's super fragmented. Um, who's who, lots of relationships, data isn't um, homogenous, data is gated by private access, etc. So I quickly realized there's no way I was going to Gain the intuition I needed about this space to like make any calls here, understand what I'm interested. And so I started hacking on some projects and like, for example, i built this quick web app that um, given a survey of preferences would help, like suggest this interior like style or design for your room. And there wasn't like a real strong reason for why I built it. I just kind of did for fun. And started like going in front of like real estate entrepreneurs and be like, wouldn't this be cool? You know, look, it's uh, ML. It clearly it wasn't ML at all. I just wrote this like easy heuristic in the back and had like 10 designs that you could output. I was just like, look, it's ML. And from that, I luckily got in contact with um this one real estate entrepreneur in like the greater LA areas, like in Empire, Los Angeles. And he had made a career out of you know, finishing college and then going straight into entrepreneurship. And he had been a real estate agent. He had been a broker. He had been commercial real estate agent, commercial broker, property management. He started a real estate school, was teaching thousands of real estate agents, doing all this different stuff. And he, I think, is someone who has lots of ideas and sees lots of like inefficiencies in the real estate world. And also, he had access to all this data, residential, commercial, all this stuff that I wasn't willing to pay $10,000 a month for like licenses to. So we started talking and he immediately told me that the thing, the web I built sucked. He was like, this sucks. No one's ever going to use it. And I was like, okay, fine. I, I don't have any reason to tell you you're wrong. Um, and he was like, well, here's some of my ideas. He gave me like three ideas and I was like, okay, well, I think these two suck. And I realized very quickly that, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> this is going to be a lot of noise here, but this is kind of fun. Like I think I enjoy working with this guy. I think I have a lot to learn from him. And he really wanted to work on a couple projects that he needed help on. So after like, you know, I guess shopping around ideas for a month, we ultimately decided to work on this like marketing tool for real estate agents together. Um, it was specifically for like direct mail marketing. The, the specifics of the tool aren't that interesting, but the interesting thing was we were kind of building this step size change tooling for a very specific use case that was hopefully going to be very compelling to a lot of people. But by doing so, the tool itself could be generalized to a lot of use cases. So we could market it directly to agents. We can market it to brokers. We can market it to real estate investors. We can market it to all sorts of people, like leasing agents. And that gave me face time with a lot of these types of personalities and understand, understanding like what are the what are their incentives? What are the things they do day to day? What are the things they care about? What's not working for them? And that started painting like a you know, much more 360 like view of the real estate industry that I don't think I could have gotten like in any other way so quickly so that was like a great jump start i just long story short attached myself to the hip with someone who knew what was happening build something alongside him and that's that specific project we're building was something that would get us you know all the conversations that'd be most interesting so that was one thread i explored um a secondary thread i was exploring was food so you know there's the restaurant thread but i quickly set that aside at first i was like there's toast and square there's different like you know inventory management point of sales stuff like okay there's also a doordash but i don't know anything about like anything else food like how does the logistics side of it work or how does consumer packaged goods work right so i started like exploring that space and that was much more talking to people and was much less hands-on i didn't really have a project to build in the space so i this is how i learned just like talking to people listen to podcasts for example like the Vita Coco founder had a great podcast about how he scaled his business And so that was really enlightening to me. And that thread ended up evolving over time, to, I think I have a general interest in small-medium business infrastructure. Like, it sounds like a lot of people are building tools for small-medium businesses. A huge percentage of the U.S. economy is, like, small-medium business. Yet, most of these small-medium businesses are not leveraging all the tools out there. Like, it was obvious to me, okay, if I was going to start a company, I would use... Gusto, Gusto for payroll. I would use like this for this. I would use this for this. When I talked to a lot of these, like, for example, I was getting my haircut. I talked to my barber. I was like, do you use all these services? And he was like, no, I'm just shopping around for like one end to end solution. I'm like, why? And he was like, I don't have an IT department. Like I need to set this up myself. I like, don't want to think about that. And it was, it was very clear. Like, oh, these people are looking for really like touchless pain-free solutions. And it doesn't matter if integrating this tool can give you like double the revenue or like half your overhead, if it costs time to like maintain it, either at fixed cost like one time setup or like into perpetuity, they're not gonna use it. And yet I think small medium businesses are also getting decimated in COVID times. So that became like a really interesting problem to me. I was like, all right, how do you like really solve small medium businesses? And they're like, you know, case study examples out there that have like figured it out, like Shopify, beautiful company, right? They figured out onboarding, they figured out all this all these like platform and tooling changes and they build this entire like, ecosystem for third-party apps to be built in and like cover their deficiencies, such that from the end user perspective, it really feels like click, click, click and like you have a store up and going, right? And so like bringing that to a lot of people was interesting, but that's a huge umbrella. So at this point I'm taking a step back. I'm like, okay, I like think, I'm understanding real estate and I generally want to help small and medium businesses. Like are there synergies there? Maybe. Those are like massive umbrellas. And if I claimed like care about those passionately, that like actually makes no sense because clearly I don't care about everything within those umbrellas the same. So then I ventured on this, you know, thought experiment of, okay, within these spaces, what do I care about? You know, I'm starting to understand the nuance I'm building my intuition. What do I, if I had to, like, I started like binary searching, like if I could solve this or this, which one do I care more about solving and why, right? Like which one is more personal and fulfilling to solve? Which one impacts the most people, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately, I got to this point where I had this one idea in like real estate that I could see myself you know, working on and providing value to people and you know, taking advantage of some of my intuition I didn't see anyone else working on. And similarly, I had this direction that I wanted to work on for small medium businesses. Um, and again, there's almost this like third inflection point. I had no decision criteria between the two. I had like no idea which one to do. I was going to flip a coin. I thought about it, and I was like, this makes no sense. should be flipping a coin here. I should have a reason. So I, about a month, month and a half ago, uh, bought a like moleskin notebook. It was like physical notebooks. I'm not one to journal. So this was very new for me. And I just like, went outside, luckily the weather was warm and I just asked myself like, okay, outside of the context of, you know, a startup or a project, what are just things I care about? And that was a amazingly uncomfortable experience for me to like selfishly write down like, Oh, this makes me happy. Or like, this makes me not happy. Or like, I like when this happens, you know, to me or around me. And that was very really slow at first. Like for the first like week I made no progress because I just like really didn't want to do this exercise. But I like, did it and it was useful. And I got to a point where I could start like root causing like, okay, like what do I, what are based on all the things I like, the things I don't like, why do I think I'm interested in this like real estate problem?
0: Can I just quickly double click on this discomfort is it because you need to have like, for me at least, I need to have like strong foundational grounding? So if I commit to doing some kind of notebook exercise like this and asking myself these questions, it's uh, very much a rabbit hole and like will involve lots of scribbles in many days and there may not be good answers for these things. So I mean I mean, that's uncomfortable for me to not have like a full rationale. What What for you is uh, makes this uncomfortable? And also, it's maybe also, let me just draw another observation is the lay person or like that naive person coming out of college who wants to be mission driven, sounds very, um, when you say housing and food, you think of like homelessness and like food banks, right? Whereas the thing that you just described was very like market based and um, kind of a top down approach to like, what is real estate? Like, where do transactions happen? Like, how does land change hands and like um yeah i love the problem solving approach but it's it's interesting contrast with like how my sister maybe thinks about sustainability is like the planet should just be healthy and like animals should live
1: right no yeah i didn't really think about that i guess that's just the way my mind worked i was definitely thinking from a market perspective and i was like if i don't understand it or it doesn't make sense to me, that clearly doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So there's something to like fix here. But yeah, that makes sense. So tapping on your first question, I think the uh, discomfort um, came from like two things. One is kind of what you're saying, a lack of framework and a lack of specific, like this is a question to answer. And once you answer it, you are done. Feeling was very, you know, not, it wasn't even freeing. It was just very, I was very lost. I had no idea how to measure progress. And then two, I think, I hadn't gone through a bunch of exercises, and I wasn't raised in a culture where it made a lot of sense for me to even acknowledge what I care about. It's much more about what I should do, not what I want to do. And I don't know if that's just a product of being raised, in like you know, first generation immigrant Chinese family or whatever it is. But yeah, those kind of experiences were not um, natural to me. So sitting down and ask myself like, what do I want? And decoupling of that with, like, what I should want was very hard. Like, it's very easy to write, like, oh, I want to help a lot of people. Oh, I want to do this. But then, like, writing down things like, oh, I like um, watching YouTube videos of $50 million mansion homes because they're, like, aesthetically pleasing. That helps no one. And that was, like, weird to write down. You know what I mean? And that is something that's very superficial. But I love that, by the way. I watch all kinds of things, whether it's Minecraft or... Uh...
0: What's his name? Some actor recently bought one. Yeah, they show up in my Google News feed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it was like those kinds of, you know, acknowledgements, right? And um, I think that was an extremely uncomfortable process because I didn't know where I was going and I felt like I was being like very selfish and like unproductive writing these things down. And the whole exercise was in the context of trying to formulate my decision criteria to pick which startup I should do to like help the most people, right? So there's a massive like, you know, um, dissonance there.
0: Ah, yeah, so you're in the broader context of the the part of you that's ambitious and like outcomes driven that needs a, a company to be working on.
1: Right, it's so like, why am I doing this selfish thing? That's just about what, it, like me as Jeffrey, what does Jeffrey want? To formulate my decision criteria to pick those two things. And that was, I think, really hard for
0: me. Sounds like you're hard on yourself, bro. Very hard on yourself. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I had, to, I had to push back in some direction because clearly not doing this, I had no decision criteria that felt incorrect. And I wanted to be purposeful about it.
0: So good for you for um, doing that, for pushing through the, the discomfort
1: and sitting with it for mo- multiple days. I appreciate it. So yeah, the, I guess the, fr- the fruit that was bo- um, born from this exercise was I got to a point where I was finally started to draw the threads between like, this is you know, the selfish things I care about and this is why I'm interested in this space. And for example... Let's say within real estate, my idea was along the ends of making it much easier for like your layperson to sell their home. And I think that was an important problem to solve because PropTech is big, open door exists, all these different channels exist now for you to sell your home and they all have like different incentives, different like pros and cons. Like This one closes quickly. This one gives you all cash. This one gives you the max offer, right? All this stuff, very hard to navigate. And, you know, democratizing that access would be, like, helpful to people. So generally, there was, like, an idea there. But when I asked myself, like, what do I care about real estate? That anecdote I just told you, like, oh, I like fifty million mansion tours. Do I watch videos of people touring, like, 200K homes in the Midwest? No, not really. So thus, like, hmm, if I'm strictly just selfish, would I rather spend all my time on the former or the latter? It's like, well, clearly the former. And so I kind of did this exercise, which was, okay, ignoring all, like, positive, like, externalities, I just wanted to create a business that would allow me to be around the things that like selfishly make me the most excited What would that look like. And so for real estate, like one example I tossed out there was, Oh, maybe I could do like a, like a listing company where every time a Beverly Hills mansion wants to list, I throw like a who's who's party for it to help it list. And then afterwards I run it as like art gallery for six days just to help it get publicity and like find the right buyer. I don't really provide any real value to the world. I just like, you spend a lot of time in these houses, and that didn't seem clearly less exciting to me than this real estate project. But like from a, like a rational perspective, I was like, "Wow, that like that sucks." So that very quickly closed the door on like the real estate idea for me. I was like, "I I think if I had pursued the real estate idea down the line, I would have had this like you know divergence of incentives, or would have like lost like my will to go." Especially because I was my criteria was I want to find a thing I can work on for like ten years. So, and as someone who's only lived for like, I guess a little more than two of those like periods of time, it's really, really hard to think about that. Like 10 years ago, I don't know what I was doing. All this change we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes, has been in the span of like four years. So yeah, 10 years is tumultuous. Um, And I basically went through that exercise. And luckily, you know, from that exercise, a lot of my ideas were shut down, but one idea emerged. I was like, wow, I, I can get emotionally behind this because if this, if what I want to build here existed, five six seven years ago and like high school jeffrey knew about it and maybe high school jeffrey would have had an extremely different like trajectory it would be like much more fulfilled much earlier and so that was like a subset of the small medium business thread which was um basically enabling this you know this trend people could talk about the creator economy but like Tian, its cousin is like something that's existed for a while but like this like freelance or like expertise like economy like passion economy So not necessarily like social influencers, right. But people who want like a high school teacher who wants to just like teach online for a living and wants to teach this very specific subject that like they're interested in and not the rest of the curriculum they're not interested in and they can like find their audience and like, you know, magnify that. That I think is really compelling to me. Basically like one way to frame it is getting people to be able to make 10K a month without having to do a nine to five and doing something they're interested in. Um, I I can start to see like, there are outcomes here that I think are positive. And so from there, Suddenly, I think I came across this realization that, like, that's something this general flavor of direction is something I want to solve. There's a lot of stuff within it that I have to ask, right? Like, for example, what is my definition of quote unquote the passion economy, right? Would I include commoditized gig workers, like people who are driving for Uber or DoorDash for a living? Yes and no, right? Like, that wasn't clearly obvious to me. Another side was, would I, do I want to include people who, know do dances on tiktok do i want to include people who do services in the real world like brick and mortar like what am i what are my criteria there so um i ended up going down that thread and refining like what do i care about in the space and that kind of leads us to present day i think i'm getting a lot closer to figuring out like who do i care about affecting like what change for and validating that like the change i want to build is actually a problem for those people. And you know, it would be like a beneficial thing to have. Um, but ultimately the outcome that I, I can like see myself putting myself behind is, you know, building this world where people who feel like trapped in corporate or like kids who feel like, oh, my only path is to go to college and then become a software engineer at Microsoft and you know, work there for 30 years, they don't have that feeling anymore. Um, and it's not even like necessarily a risk because right now anyone can, you know, pursue those kinds of careers. I think it's just perceived as low expected value and high variance. But if you can raise the EV and shrink the variance, that's just net beneficial, especially if we're trending towards, you know, generation 50 years where a lot of work is automated and, um, there essentially won't be as much like necessary work, being able to do non-commodity, like passionate things would be really strong, like really great. So that's, that's the, the flavor. Of direction I'm heading towards right now.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, as a struggling artist who is burning cash trying to write my book, uh, please do do more things to make my life easier.
1: For sure. Yeah. I think I, that's actually touches on something I've realized while going on this thread, is, which is, there's like two things that I think have changed. And these are not like, you know, these are not deep at all. But one is it's suddenly I can count watching TikTok and YouTube as work because I'm like studying these people. Um, on the downside, I'm not just consuming the content. I'm spending a lot of time like thinking about like, what are like trying to understand what they're doing like to monetize, grow their audience. So it's like a different lens. And then two is, I'm starting to realize there's a lot of people in my network who are technically like qualifies as these kinds of people, like yourself included, but I know people who write letters newsletters who are like doing podcasts, who like make videos, make TikToks and realizing that like, whoa, like, the people I'm trying to help aren't even abstract like they're literally around me that that was um i think pretty cool and i didn't i never really uh articulated that in my mind beforehand that like for example andy's running a podcast oh that's really cool but i never like you know when i heard read about the creator economy i wasn't like andy but now i'm just like oh shit I'm like andy if that makes any sense
0: yeah because i don't like have a successful podcast like <laughs> i think almost everyone has like a side project right that they'd want to professionalize if it were um a clearer path but i think most people don't have the resources to and also don't it's like it's just really hard it's like a hard thing to do to find your audience and grow it um beautiful wow is there anything else we should touch on before i press stop recording um anything of this journey that like we didn't cover or i don't know key moments key learnings about yourself in the world other things about life that you'd want to have in a podcast?
1: Hmm. Let me think. Well, the thesis of this podcast specifically is to provide, I guess, anecdotes and almost like secondhand guidance to people who are young in their careers and trying to find their way. So I think, this there have been a couple pieces of advice that have been I think useful for me during this period, but like the biggest ones are definitely around I think thinking about risk and identifying, you know, bad decision frameworks and identifying when you're doing things because of inertia. And I think calling those out is probably like the last thought I want to leave here, which is a lot of people are really bad at identifying risk. And I think like myself included, like when I was trying to leave scale, when I was trying to leave um, MIT early, there's all this perceived risk, right? And I think people oftentimes due to inertia and due to what they're doing right now, perceive any change as very risky and they don't really adequately weigh opportunity, like opportunity costs as a risk. So for example, if you stay on like one unbeaten path, it's seen as unrisky, but in practice it's actually quite risky, right? Because if, Your life could branch like you know exponentially and have all these different outcomes the odds that you stay on one path and that's the most optimal one is actually very low so if you don't explore you're actually taking like a massive risk um, in terms of the expected value of like the best outcome for you so i think thinking about risk in a different way um, is a very helpful framework i will qualify this by saying there are things like if you Again, reference, let's say the Maslow hierarchy of needs—you know, food, water, shelter, financial security—all matter a lot, and you should make sure you check those boxes before you try to like chase any kind of self-actualization. But if you get to a point in your life where you like have that um, desire and the opportunity to do so, or the privilege to do so, I think weighing with risk is like really good. Um, it's a really good thing to always be like reconsidering because I think humans are just really bad at it. Like, as someone who tries to think about it a lot, I'm still really bad at it. Um, And I've even seen anecdotes by like Nobel laureate uh, economists who say they're really bad at it. So that, you know, has convinced me that everyone's just really bad at analyzing risk because that's the way humans work. And again, inertia, I think, is a dangerous thing. Inertia, I think, is this phenomenon where you're doing something and then you ask yourself, I think you should take a step back and ask yourself, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? The answer is just, oh, because I have been doing it. That's like semi-valid because you have, again, social capital, you have like contacts you've built up. But if you ask yourself, okay, if I had to like reset today, would I do what I have been doing again? If that answer is not like clearly yes, then it is actually like somewhat slightly less than perfectly rational that I keep doing what you're doing. You should start looking at like other options out there. Um, And I think a lot of people view that as reckless, but I think unless you're, like, perfectly happy with your current outcome, like, step-size changes and outcome require, like, step-size changes in what you're doing to achieve that.
0: Yeah, I also like what we explored <clears throat> with your story a couple times how you mentioned, kind of, you assess different possible paths uh, kind of tentatively with, you know, colleagues at work and scale trying to formalize and actually get, like, job descriptions of, like, different roles that could happen um, as well as in your project space, um, the tactics, like, Some people who may be listening who might not be familiar with entrepreneurship, like you built a prototype of like a multi-choice like app, and then you like talked to real estate agents and you were able to quickly connect with someone to kind of learn a lot more about that industry. Um, so I think your approach to uh, like trying those options, um, and trying to like do them in a way that's non-invasive, non-committal, um not like gonna ruin your life or any relationships hopefully um is a good good way to do it
1: yeah for sure i think there there are definitely learnings there i i just followed the advice you know of literature out there for building quick things getting quick like feedback tossing being failing fast um but yeah i think like the last salient point i have is there there are a couple inflection points and chapters in my life and i think each one Um, I handled it the same way, which was lay out all my options as like defined as possible, which you just mentioned, whether it's job descriptions or like coursework I would take or, you know, startup ideas I would do, and then sit back. And if I wasn't, if it wasn't painfully obvious, which one was the right thing to do, I would take time to formulate a decision criteria and do introspection to figure out like, what should my criteria be? And what should the ruler I use, like measure this decision beyond, um, In hindsight, I think it's probably way more efficient if you can come up with your ruler first, because then you know what options to consider as you're going. And I've had fleeting moments of that recently where, for example, this opportunity will come up, but because my ruler is set, I can immediately just be like, okay, like that's worth it or that isn't worth it. Whereas the slightly less efficient way that I have been doing historically is opportunity comes up, now toil for like a week as I try to figure out what the ruler should be to measure this way. Um, But I think, both of those options feel better than judging or like making decisions kind of randomly or pseudo randomly.
0: This has been amazing. You're, you're the guest that I've asked the least questions to because you kind of hit on relevant
1: things and tell good stories naturally maybe in uh maybe in post you can spice in some more questions and cut up my long answers
0: (laughs) no not at all it's it would be great if everyone could just like record if i could just have people like you know async without me doing any effort like record their like what i would ask them and just so you you did a, a good job